Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back again to the program and thank you again for joining us again every week at the same time. And, uh, you know, we just value uh, those of you who set your DVRs and, and uh, take time out of their busy schedule to just kind of study the Word with us. You know, we, we probably may not be everybody's cup of tea because we really dig into some things in the Word of God and we dig a little deeper. And I think sometimes there's so many powerful things that I'm able to share in a setting uh, like this with television that I'm not able to share even when I'm on the road because I usually, when I'm ministering, preaching like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's only a limited amount of time that you can share so much. But I love this setting because I can just week after week, uh, month after month, just continue to build these series. And for those of you who follow us, uh, you'll know we, we build quite a bit. We've been in a series called Roadmap to Reformation. And if you missed any of them, we archive them uh, on our YouTube channel. And also we put the audio portions on our podcast on iTunes, and we have an RSS feed for the audio. So you can go back and watch any of what we have filmed, because we've filmed uh, for months on this Roadmap to Reformation. We're dealing with the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, Zechariah, uh, Haggai, Daniel. All these men were working together to bring about a restoration and a reformation. We've been each month dealing with one of the gates, the 12 gates of the city. Just like there was 12 gates in Nehemiah, there's 12 gates in the book of Revelation. And we've been making a comparison between the Old Covenant Reformation to the old city of Jerusalem to the New Covenant uh, being built on the apostles and prophets and that the New Covenant city of God and the New Covenant tabernacle of God is not a place, it's a people. And it is continuing to come down from God out of heaven. Uh, I'm not going to go back and review that too much because I've got a lot of ground to cover today because I'm dealing with the fish gate. We have went from the sheep gate, we've talked about the dung gate, we've, we've mentioned the fountain gate, the dragon well. We've come through several of these gates. But for the last two weeks I dealt with the fish gate and I talked about uh, the fish gate speaking of evangelism. Now what I'm going to do with it this week is I'm going to jump in here and show you some, I think, some powerful things from the New Testament that uh, uh, Jesus did with His disciples, and the early call of the apostles to catch men. And this begins in Luke's Gospel, and there's several places where you can get different versions of this. But I'm going to begin with His call to the original twelve, because I believe He's calling all of us to be fishers of men. Now let me just get started, because Luke 5 verse 1 says, and, it's, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Him, to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought of fish. Then Simon answered, Then Simon answering said unto him, Master, watch this, we have toiled all night 
and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the sh I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken, and so was so and so was also James and John the son of Zebedee, and the, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not; from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now I want to stop there for a moment, and I'm going to compare this in a moment with their fishing trip after Jesus' resurrection. This gospel of Luke, they're fishing, uh, and Jesus is calling them to forsake their nets and their ship, and they're going to follow Him. Now what happens is, after Jesus is crucified, they go back to their default setting, and they go back to fishing, uh, they go back to their fishing habits. But I want to show you what shifted. There's some powerful comparisons here. Now what Jesus does is He uses this powerful picture to talk to them concerning how to catch men. And I think it is interesting that when He starts out this whole thing, He starts talking to them about, uh, he starts talking to them about fishing, but they are fishing, and when Jesus comes down to the ship, He begins to speak to them, and He says, first of all, launch out into the deep. It's time to go to the deep end of the pool. And then Simon answers him this, and this really spoke to me. He said, and Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Let me tell you something. These men are being called by Jesus, who are fishermen, and they are living under an old covenant first of all, because the new covenant is not inaugurated until after Jesus' resurrection. But what I want you to show you is that they were toiling and laboring. They were fishing all night and not catching any fish. I think the reason a lot of ministries and a lot of people in this hour are not catching fish is because we're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Jesus, after His resurrection, we'll, get this, we'll read these chapters in just a moment. Jesus tells them, cast your net on the other side of the ship. And all of a sudden, man, something began to hit me. The other side of the ship is we need to start fishing on the new covenant side. In Luke's gospel, when they are called to go fishing, their nets break. But after Jesus' resurrection, <coughs> they don't lose any fish and their nets don't break. But I believe that many of us have toiled from an old covenant paradigm, and our only bait seems to be fear. You know, if, if, if the best we have to offer people is come to Jesus so you can escape an eternal burning hell, while, you know, I'm not going to get into the doctrines of what all that means, what I want to say simply is, if that's the best we have to offer people is, it's either Jesus or an eternal lake of fire 
is Jesus really that bad that all we have to do to motivate people is use fear to try to get them? Listen, maybe we've not presented Jesus in a way that becomes attractive, that catches fish. Because let me tell you frankly, I believe when we fish on the wrong side of the ship with an old covenant paradigm that's always disqualifying people, tell them how bad they are, what losers they are, is that it repulses people until they don't come around anymore. And they feel so disqualified and so unloved and so hated. And they, we talk about God so loved the world, but that's not what we represent. I believe it's time for us to represent Him. Because if you remember what I shared in prior segments, there was a drought of fish that Ezekiel talked about where the water was healed and there was a great multitude of fish that was brought in that Ezekiel prophesied about. When waters started to issue out from underneath of the threshold of the house of God and it flowed out from under the altar. In other words, when our message and our river that's flowing out of this temple, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, is not a message of doom and despair, but as I shared with you before, the names of the guys who built this section of the wall, their name means grace and favor, and they built to the tower of Mia. They built to the tower of hundred, which speaks of a hundredfold, but it's grace that builds this. And I showed you uh, in two segments ago how that the mountain, even that Zechariah uh, declared, would have to be moved. It would be moved with shouts of grace, grace, not doom and despair, but grace, grace. And I connected that with the thought in John's Gospel where Jesus said, Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and of this fullness have already received in grace for grace. So what I'm telling you, the Gospel of grace and the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, if we could represent Jesus to a way that He's not mad at everybody, He's mad about us. Listen, sin is an issue, but the issue of sin is not so much what it does to God as much as it is what it does to you. God is more interested in healing your brokenness than He is in judging you for your sin. And when we preach a message that says, that, that listen, He was lifted up. I showed you how that there was another guy's name who meant to be lifted up from the thorns. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. This spake He concerning what death He would die. And I believe when we lift Jesus up and show that it was Him who redeemed us from the curtain, that you don't have to live in the bondage of sin any longer, that you don't have to live in literally the hell that you've created for yourself, that you can leave the marshlands and the dry and the thirsty places and bring in, uh, you can be one of those fish in the net that He gathers in of all sorts. Now let me just show you this and contrast it with uh, what, uh, th that was the call of the apostles. But here it is, Jesus is speaking to them in John chapter 21, verse 1 through 19. He said, after these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now this is after His resurrection. He showed Himself at the Sea of Tiberias on this wise, showed Himself. There were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples. Now Jesus calls them 
when they're fishing at the beginning of his ministry and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. But they seem to have forgotten because it looks like everything they had put their lives on hold for and everything they had walked away, they left all they had to follow Jesus. And now it looks like it's all over. All of our eggs were in this basket. And Peter said, let's go fishing. Let's return back to our default setting. Let's go back to where we were before. Let's go back to our toiling. Let's go back to our rowing, the place where we didn't catch any fish. And let's go back to the old methods of doing things. But after His resurrection, Jesus shows up on the Sea of Tiberias to these disciples whom He had called earlier. And Simon Peter saith unto him, unto them, I go fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship, and immediately that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship. You're fishing on the old covenant side. It's time to cast your net on the right side of the ship, on the other side of the ship, on the new covenant side, because you've toiled and you've rowed and you've caught no fish. But if you'll cast your net on the... uh, I'm challenging people today. There's going to come a new method. I really am looking for a new covenant model of an evangelist, because I think we still got a lot of old covenant style evangelist and evangelism going on. But I believe God is raising up a new evangelist who's going to learn how to cast his net on the right side of the ship. And he said, if you'll cast your net on the right side of the ship, you will find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. I believe the gospel is so attractive, it's like the river that Ezekiel talked about. It's a river that you cannot cross over. It's a river that wherever it flows, when this river flows from the altar, the finished work of Jesus, when it flows out of a slain lamb and out of the throne in Revelation, it heals the water, and the water creates an abundance of fish that's healed. We talked about how the water went into the salt and then the marshlands and Ezekiel, but he tells us in Colossians, let every word that you speak be salted with grace because it's the gospel of grace that will heal the waters. I believe our speech needs to change. I believe as New Covenant preachers, I watched some of the stuff that's unfolded in our nation over the last months and think even as some of it and the hatred and stuff that is spewed from pulpits is nothing but wormwood and pollution that pollutes the water that kills one-third of the residue of men. But there is a river whereof the streams make glad the city of God. There is the river that flows from Zion. There is a river that flows from the temple. There's a river that flows out of your belly uh, that should bring a conversion, not just Uh, to men getting saved, but converting our soul the way we think and the way we do things. And uh, it will create, it will attract a multitude of fishes. I think about our ministry in the years we preached the gospel of grace and our own local church. We didn't lose our young people because this message did not push them away. It didn't steal their dreams. It didn't disqualify them. It didn't tell them how worthless they were. It told them how much they were loved and how much they were appreciated. You know, in my meeting last week, I took a dollar bill And I held it up and I said, what's this dollar worth? Everybody said, it's worth a dollar. So I crumbled it up. I said, what's it worth now? 
I said, even though it's crumbled, it's at a dollar. I threw it on the floor and stomped it. I said, now what's it worth? He said, it's a dollar. If I threw it in the dirt, it's still worth a dollar. If I spit on it, it's worth a dollar. And I said, here, see, the things that you've been through are what not what determines what your value is. What determines the value of a thing is the thing that made it. And God made you valuable. I don't care if you've been stomped on, spit on, thrown in the mud, drugged through a knothole backwards. God still thinks you're valuable. And I believe that when you realize how much He loves you and cares about about you, that He only has the best in mind for you, that He's not out to get you. He's out to bless you and to release favor on you, to recover the sight of the blind, to, 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 to set at liberty them that are bruised, the broken, the hurt, and the wounded, and to call whosoever will can come. That's the kind of fishing trip I want to go on. And then, the, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded himself in his fisher's coat, for he was naked, and did cast him into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon in bread. I'm telling you something. Jesus didn't have a fishing pole, and He didn't have a boat, but He's got bread and fish on the fire. And he's declaring to them, come and die. I think what he's trying to do is remind them of the covenant meal that they had three days ago in an upper room when he took the bread and said, this is my body which is broken for you. This blood is the cup of my blood in the new covenant. I think he's reminding them that when he's inviting them to come and die, he said, listen, I need to remind you of something. I inaugurated the new covenant just three days ago, and you're still dealing with this mindset that you're an old covenant man's mindset. And even Peter has this mentality that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wicked man. And Jesus is trying to shift the thinking of these apostles so that they can begin to fish from a different paradigm and a different perspective. And Jesus says to him, come and down. It reminds me even of what he said in Revelation chapter 3. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice will open to me, I will come into him and will sup with him. The, that, the idea there of sup with him is the covenant meal. I bring him, and that was the, the that's, listen, the covenant meal is more than just taking communion on Sunday. It is the reminder of the inauguration that the night before his decease, he's telling them, you are never again going to have to kill another woolly lamb and keep this physical Passover because I'm the ultimate Passover and I'm inaugurating the new covenant and the kingdom of God. And that's why upon the heels of Revelation 3, when he says, if you open the door, I'll come in and sup with you. I'll eat the covenant meal with you. And chapter 4 opens in Revelation, after this I saw a door open in heaven and a throne was set. It's because what he's showing you is the covenant meal is what inaugurated the coming of the kingdom with its rainbow of many collars around the throne, which is a symbol of the new covenant. So he's getting these guys who have defaulted and gone back to their old methods and their old ways. He's saying, from now on, guys, you're going to catch men, but let me show you that these men that you're going to catch aren't going to be caught on the other side, on that side of the ship, on the old covenant side. You're going to have to cast your nets on the right side of the ship. But when they come to the sea, Jesus has breaded fish on the fire because He knows how to catch fish more than... And I'm going to show you why exactly as I come on down through here. But He goes on to say, Jesus said unto them, there was bread and fish laid thereon in bread. 
And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and 153. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Remember, in the initial call in Luke's gospel, they caught fish, but they couldn't keep them because the nets break. In the New Covenant, the nets don't break. I'm going to take a whole segment next week and talk about mending nets. It's going to be powerful. You want to make sure you set your DVR or tune in, because this time their nets did not break. And then he goes on to say, Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh the bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Remember, the time before this that he showed them was when he walked on the road to Emmaus. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he told these disciples all things concerning himself, yet their eyes were holding, and they didn't know it was the Lord until they had constrained him to come into the house that night and to eat bread with him. And the Bible said, when Jesus took the bread and blessed the bread and broke the bread, they knew him in the breaking of the bread. In other words, what happened was their minds went back to the night before his decease when he sat there and took the bread and blessed the bread and broke the bread and said, listen guys, I'm not going to eat this and drink this until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And that rattled their minds and they, and they knew him in the breaking of the bread. Oh, that's powerful. I tell you, I believe God is calling people to an understanding of this new covenant meal to the point where we're going to know Him in the breaking of the bread. And so here He is again on the sea, and He's breaking the bread and the fish, and He's giving them to eat, and they, all, they know it's the Lord this time. And this is now again the third time that Jesus showed up, and He breaks bread with them because He's trying to reaffirm the inauguration of this new covenant. Jesus cometh, taketh bread, and giveth them fish likewise. Now this is the third time that Jesus showed Himself to His disciples after that He was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, watch this, note this, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter, Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Now I want you to understand something here. As I started to think about Jesus using this very terminology, he calls Simon Peter the son of Jonah. Now I think that's significant. Now the reason I do is watch this. Matthew 12 Verse 39 through 41 said, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall be no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. 
For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Jesus calls Simon Peter at the bank of the river when it looks like Simon is going back to his default setting. He's reminding him of the story of Jonah. And he calls him Simon, son of Jonah. And this is what I put in my notes. The sign of Jonah is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember I just read that to you? He said, no, no sign given except the sign of Jonah. For as the Son of Man was three days and three nights, and, and uh, or was in the belly of the fish, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I want you to know that Jesus had just went down into the bowels of the earth if you will, and identified with all of our rebellion, got swallowed by the big fish, if you will. But I want you to know when he's got bread and fish on the fire, it's because he caught the big fish and the trophy fish, and he knows how to clean it and put it on the fire and serve it up as a meal. And I just let me just read from my notes. Sign, sign, the sign of Jonah is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the three days and three nights of his redemptive work. Jesus, just like Jonah, went down into the belly of hell and took dominion over fish once again. Remember Genesis 1.26, dominion over fish, fowl, and creeping things. Please notice he has already got bread and fish on the fire, and he doesn't have a fishing pole. It is because he has reeled in the big fish. He caught the whale. He caught the trophy. The come and dine is the call to the covenant meal. It is a reminder, especially to, to Peter, of the covenant meal the night before His crucifixion, when He gave the bread and wine to His disciples. It was the inauguration of the new covenant. It was at this table that Peter was told that he would deny the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. In the above story of the bread and fish on the fire, he gives Peter the opportunity to tell him three times how much he loved him. Remember the disciples knew Him in the breaking of bread after the walk on the road to Emmaus. The breaking of bread reminded them of His promises at the covenant meal. Let me tell you something. Peter sat at the table the night before his decease, and Jesus said to him, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And I think God is so good. Because when He comes to Jesus after His resurrection, He's caught the big fish. I believe the big fish represents the entire human family that because of the sin of the human family, Jesus had to identify with us in our fallenness, be swallowed up by the thing, big fish, swallowed up and go down into hell, into the belly of the great fish. But in hell, Jesus, three days and three nights person in work, comes up out of that having caught the trophy fish. And he's got bread and fish on the fire. And I believe what he's saying to Peter now is that, Peter, you've, you denied me three times. And he asked him three times, do you love me? And he allowed Peter to kind of redeem himself in the sense of, Lord, you know I love you. You denied me three times, but you said you love me three times. Isn't God good? I'm telling you, I believe it's time to become fishers of men, but we're going to have to fish with a different kind of a bait and a different kind of net. I'm out of time. We're going to talk about the net next week, but we do need your help to stay on the air. So please take a moment to go to our website and use your credit card or debit card to give there via PayPal or credit card 
Also, you can call the number on the screen and give an offering, or you can write a check or money order and send it to the address that's on the screen. We do need your help, and we appreciate your letters and emails that come that encourage us to stay on the air. I trust you're being blessed by this. God bless you, and thank you for joining us again this week. We pray you join us next week again at the same time. God bless you. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled, The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.